is the grass greener on the other side? We interview South Africans that have made the move abroad to hear their stories, the good and the bad. We ask the questions like how they got here and why they made the move, as well as some lacquer stories in between. I'm your host, Warren Burley, an expat South African who, like many, followed the dream of working overseas. So grab a castle, some biltong, and join us on South Africans Abroad. Welcome, uh, welcome back. Um, today I've got a very special friend uh, with us on the line, uh, Steve Suntup. How's it, Steve? Lekker, uh, Warren. All good, my friend. What's happening? Lekker, man. Um, Steve, do you just want to tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, 63, turning 64 this year. I came uh, to America about uh, three and a half, going on four years ago. I was uh, in the hardwood or wooden flooring business back in South Africa. I had a, a distribution of importing and distributing to the trade. Sold my business and worked for the new corporate there for five years. And uh, yeah, so I've been in the game a long time as far as flooring goes and trying to do things here in a similar way. Okay, and, and uh, have you had any success on this side? Like, are you still working in the flooring trade or is you doing something else? <laughs> yeah, boy, I tell you, if I knew what I knew, you knew now what I, it's unbelievable. It's a tough, it's a tough game. You know? um, people think you just, and I had the attitude as well. You walk into the country, you know so much, you can get it going, you phone a couple of guys and then you're on the way. But yeah, yeah no, it's, I haven't had much success, to be honest. I've uh, tried very hard. I've uh, came over here with my full retirement money because I was almost ready to retire in South Africa. I bought a 100-acre farm in Carmel. Okay. And I came to visit uh, my family in America and I decided to make the move. But it's a tough move the way I'm doing it. And, uh, yeah, will it be worth it? I'm also telling that. Day. Yeah. And so, tell me, Steve, like, you know, with your agent stuff, I mean, not a lot of people decide to make a move like it. What was your decision? Why did you decide to move so late in life? Okay. So um, just before I sold my business or during the sale of my business, uh, many years ago, I, I took a young girl off the street of drugs and all sorts of things and uh, took her in and she became basically a daughter to me. And she was with me for 15 years until she was uh, killed in a crime situation in South Africa. Okay. So they basically left me alone. And uh, I just uh, left my the company who bought me out in South Africa, ready to go to the farm in now to retire. And before I was doing that, I came to visit my family. All my family live in America. My mother is here, she's 90. My brother and sister all here, and all the kids and grandkids. So there's about 20 family members here, and I have nobody as far as family goes. I've got friends, plenty who's like family, but no blood family left in South Africa except for one cousin. So uh, that's the reason I decided to move and be with my family. Okay, and that that must have been quite a, a like a hectic you know situation for you. Um, I mean, with visas and things like that, how did you get past all that? Well, what what is your current situation with the visa? Should we say? Well, it's, it's coming. My visa is coming to an end actually. So I um, managed to. Uh, in my, I was here for three months. They went back to South Africa to sell. I spoke to a lawyer uh, during that first three months I was here. Sold everything up brought all the money back to America and came back to America to make a go of it. I managed to get a three-year work visa with a sponsor. Uh, the visa was an O-1 visa, so it was an exceptional, on exceptional expertise. 
my flooring place. I was the chairman of the Flooring Association in South Africa. I wrote the guidelines, installation guidelines for South Africa. And uh, yeah, so uh, O1G is the last for three years. My three years is now coming up, and I'll be trying to renew it for another year uh, in June. Okay. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a hell of a tough ride, and I just cannot connect with the trade. Traveled in my car through 27 states, left in my car, left in 10 because it's, you know, the money doesn't last. And the, in fact, I ran out of money a year ago. Yeah. So um, in order to pay for my trips and trying to finance, trying to get into the market here, I've been uh, doing a bit of lift driving. And I've heard a few of your other previous guys you've spoken to are also doing lift or Uber driving. So, uh, yeah, so now I'm going to fly for the visa. And in fact, I'm off to New Jersey. Next week, so I'm driving like mad now to pay for my accommodation and then to Florida, Florida to make the vision and uh, to see a distributor. And hopefully, I can get it. So I've had a little bit of success with one, and now I can tell you what it, what it has been. Why do you think it's so hard? I mean, surely, if you, I mean, you're well decorated in the flooring industry back home and stuff, and, and you've come over here. Does what, what, what do you think is the, the, the setbacks? I mean, why is it becoming so hard? Well, you know, it's uh, difficult, you know, first of all, you know, to uh, know how to handle, how to um, move with the American people is difficult for me. You know, I'm 60 years in South Africa and now all of a sudden, bang, I'm in the deep end in America. Uh, I find it difficult. People don't really want to give me names of the buyers or when I do find out the name, it's very difficult to get an appointment or make contact with people. Uh, sometimes I, now I'm even almost scared to phone, you know, because, you know, the reaction when I'm trying to connect hasn't been great. And the people I have connected with, and I've got brilliant products, you know, and they're basically scared to make a decision on something new in the market. You know, they are used to selling commodities. Mm. They seem to keep a lot of commodities that just sell. So they've got a lot of guys on the road that might almost be order takers. But when it comes to something new, I think that gets a bit confusing to have new technology when they work with products or situations or systems that have been working with for the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah. So yeah. I'll get it. Um, I've got two good meetings, one in New York and one in uh, Florida coming up. So yeah, one day is one day, but I've had some small success. So. You know, you talk about that whole thing where, um, you know, they don't want to change things and they, they don't like trying new things. I'm sure they invented that whole saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Because I've also come across, you know, a lot of people here yeah, that don't want to change policies or change the way to do things, even if it's easier. It's like been done like that for fifty years, and that's the way. That's the way it is. So it sounds like you're having the same problems. Yes, and, and I'm also blocked by associations and by uh, deals. Now I've got a range of hardwood sports flooring, uh, basketball, basketball courts, which are very popular here in America. Right. But uh, the the they the. the uh, Sports flooring outfits have uh, dedicated dealership with these factories. So if they buy from me, of course, they could lose their dealership. Okay. And the association prevents them from using imported products, even though we can take an installation from eight, six to eight weeks down to one week. Okay. And, uh, we, and our courts are world-recognized from our factory. And we, I mean, the Real Madrid basketball team is using our courts. And we the level one of FIBA, which is the Federation of International Basketball Court Association, and we are level one certified, which is not what everybody has, so we top of the game on that, but it doesn't make it easier to get into America on this. 
on this. Yeah. And tell me, um, people coming overseas and stuff and, and obviously starting their own business and that, what advice would you give them so that they don't fall into the same trap? Yeah, it's from, you know, it's such a vast country, it's such a massive country. You know, the problem is where do you open in what city, what state, what part of what suburb? You know, so it's probably better to, so I didn't do, it's probably to work for somebody for a couple of years and find out how things work and make your contacts. Right. And then maybe branch out. But, uh, so I need to have a little bit more success to get my visa uh, extended. Yeah. I'm busy with that right now. I think I've got enough to extend for another year. But of course, it's another four and a half thousand dollars, which means a lot of driving. Yeah. But uh, I'm determined. And yeah, I'm sure I'll get it. To what it is, they get worried. Meantime, I'm with my family. The reason for me coming here is to be with my family, and I am. Yeah. My mother's 19, so her memory's not so great. I live with her. Yeah. So I make sure her medication's in order, and uh, she had a blood pressure problem this morning, so I had to get that sorted, make sure she's got food, so I cook for her. Right. You know, so uh, basically, I'm taking care of my mom also doing all this. Yeah. Which, uh, so my time between driving, taking care of my mom, trying to get the business or some orders going. It's quite a big task it's in my in my 60s because my retirement has gone. I'm now starting to build from you. Yeah. And I know exactly where I want to be and I have foresight exactly what I want to do here in America and where I want to get live and what I want to do. I can tell you that if you want to know. Yeah, I mean, also just going back to your previous uh, statement as well, and I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said the place is so big that nobody knows, you can't just come over here and just go, oh, okay, I want to stay here. You never know where to, to establish yourself or where to set up your business. And I think everybody's having the same problem. I, I know I had that problem as well. Like I came over and I thought, oh, LA is, you know, the mecca for studios and things. I'm going to set up there. Meantime, it's 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 not actually. And, uh, you know, that's more for film and stuff. And I, I do a lot of commercials. So New York is actually the place. And I, it took me eight yeah. years to figure that out. Yeah. How are you supposed to understand where to set up and how to set up? Would you have it's an a difficult one? <laughs> difficult one, Warren. Yeah. But I'm learning. I'm learning. Every day I learn. And uh, I'm off to the National Withdrawing Association exhibition again in uh, coming up in April. So I have to make new contacts there as well. So we're learning every day. And yeah, I know where I want to be in America if I can get it going. I have a plan. I have a plan B. Yeah. But uh, the next hurdle is to get my visa. And, when, and then after the visa is the green card. You know, I should have done this when I was in my 20s or 30s. Yeah. Uh, the green card. Once you've got the green card, uh, I, I can find ways. Currently, I'm not really allowed to go and work at a job for a boss and all that because of my visa state. Okay. I, I thought the O-1 visa came with a green card. Is that That's not true then? No, no, no. I've got an O-1 visa to a sponsor as a work visa to the sponsor. Okay. So what I'll do is to establish myself uh, through my sponsor for my sales I work on a commission basis from the various factories that I've got uh, in my game that I know the product very well. Right. And the commission for those sales, if, when I get them, I've had uh, one, I'm busy with another one, would go through my sponsor and he would then pay it to me. So my tax and that we paid, we'll work through my sponsor basically. Yeah. So uh, once that all happens, then I can start applying for an 01 green card, which is a full entail with my sponsor. Right. Okay. Do you see yourself going back to South Africa? If if I if, if my visa is uh, rejected, when my extension is rejected, I would uh, not want to remain here illegally. I would and I would like to be with my family. So I would see if I can uh, appeal that objection. So you know that rejection. Right. Uh, if I get another year, then I'm going to keep pushing for another year. 
it's quite difficult to keep flogging the horse that hasn't stood up yet, but I'm going to make it stand up. Yeah. And uh, I've had an, I had one order, funny enough, for a New Jersey for a home basketball course, which is just docked in New York, and I'll be there next week to go, uh, week, two weeks' time to go and help assemble it. And it's through a, a sports dealer, which is great. Yeah. Hopefully they like it and will come more. And funnily enough, <laughs> I've got an order for South Africa selling in American lumber, American timber, uh, uh, Douglas Fir, Oregon, to go to a merchant in South Africa, which is virtually signed and sealed. But uh, yeah. the next week will confirm that. And just those two little actions probably be good enough for me to uh, get the extension. Okay, so so it is happening. I mean, it's slowly but surely. I think uh, that's the word of the day. <laughs> it's like slowly, you know, with everything, even us as well. I mean, it took five years to you kind of get like a little bit established. Yeah. You know, I'm having it with everybody, everyone I interview and stuff like that. It's, people are saying the same thing. It takes five years, you know. Yeah, there's no, there's no quick way. You've got to pay your school fees. Yeah. So uh, just, look, somebody could come over here and hit the luck and bam, they're in. But uh, that's, that will be more the exception than the rule. So, yeah, I'm busy paying school fees. And uh, my, my main dream is when I get a green card to move to North Carolina, I want to go live near the city of Hickory. I want to get a, around a two of, between two and five acres plus or lot, as they say in America, in the mountains, the woods, or the cabin, and live more sustainable lifestyle of rich and uh, move from there, you know. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a good plan. But tell me, Steve, how, how are you finding the Americans in general? Uh, you know, I've, I've driven, uh, I think about almost three thousand rides in my my car in Lyft. So I've met a lot of Americans, and I get on like a house on fire with them. You know, we get on well, we chat, we talk, but they are different. You know, it's, it's uh, now, you can have a great meeting with a guy face-to-face, and uh, it's always good, and you're excited about it. And then when you send him an email, you receive nothing but silence. <laughs> or you give a phone call, and you don't get a uh, reply. It doesn't take your call, or you text him, it doesn't answer your text. So it's, it's, there's uh, quite a, uh, uh, um, how would I call it? You get ignored a lot. You know, you know I, found, I found that, They'll only call you if they need you. So they don't really give you a huge opportunity to present yourself. And the opportunity that I've had, because I'm trying to introduce brand new products on this colossal market, it's difficult because these guys are huge. And they just keep the commodities. Once they're selling these commodities, I mean, their turnovers are $200 million a year, $250 million a year. And all of a sudden, I'll rock up with my little product that, you know, I said, but this is great for the industry. But I think they're interested in selling commodities, and that's where it turns over bucks all the time. Right. It's, like a, it's like a big machine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, have you made a lot of friends, uh, American friends? Or? Well, let me put it this way. I, I've uh, now rode with motorcycle clubs in South Africa and bikers. We've read all the rides and had like a brotherhood of friends. I don't have a bike in this country, but uh, funny enough, one guy I met in, in uh, one of the exhibitions in Dallas, in Texas. Uh, I reckon I look like a biker now. He turns out he lives in San Antonio, uh, not San Antonio, in San Bernardino down in LA or yeah, I'm still in California. So I made a friend there, and I made uh, one friend with a couple of two South Africans, you included, and uh, one one American. But uh, I've been going to one bar here basically for I'd say three years, 
And uh, so if you go to a frequent place for three years, I wouldn't say every Friday, but it has to be times it was every Friday. And uh, to be honest with you, I still don't know anybody there. it's uh, it's not like back home where you know sitting at the bar or whatever and and people just come up to you and start talking it's like it's yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) unless you're buying people drinks people don't want to know anything yeah but look but i mean uh it's just a a different culture you know it's a different culture and there's so many people you know so in south africa we uh if I look at the, the, my circles, now there are not a lot of people, but yeah, there's millions, there's 300 million people to connect with. You know, South Africa is a lot less, you know, so yeah, it's a different, different scene altogether. Yeah, I think that's, also, you know, one of the reasons people listen to the podcast is because they don't realize what a different culture it is here. It's a big culture shock when people come over here. And, uh, I, you know, that was the biggest shock for me when I got here, like how different the people are. Yeah, especially in the cities, you know. That's why one day if one moves to North Carolina to uh, uh, Hickory, it's a small town. And I'd like to be in a small town with uh, simple people, you know. Not, we're in California where we are, you know, everything revolves around the big bucks, the, the turnovers and uh, the big cars and the big bank accounts, you know. Uh, so I'd like to be in a small, simple place. I'm a simple guy, you know, I enjoy that kind of lifestyle. I'm sure that's what you miss about South Africa as well, the simple lifestyle, the outdoors, and your friends, eh? Yeah, I lived on, I always lived on five acre plus in South Africa, most of my life, and, uh, and I, I bought this big hundred acre farm in Carmouth, but I sold everything, sold up, I'm in America, bucks have gone, but you push on, and you push on. Yeah. And tell me, uh, is there anything here in America that, that reminds you of home? You know, quite funny, you know, often I drive around uh, at flashbacks, you know, it's quite difficult for the brain to acknowledge it in a different, uh, almost like a different planet, you know, basically. You know? So, so, and when I drive past, I see, uh, you know, there's a, there's a restaurant, as you know, it's a big restaurant called Elder's Bar and Grill, and it's in El Dorado Park, you know, so in the El Dorado Park in Long Beach. So I reckon go with the name and I and often see street names and, and uh, that are that bring back memories for me and uh, and often when I'm picking up a person in my taxi in my lift car and the name is uh, Martin, I think shit, what if he looks like a Martin I used to know in South Africa, you know, or Doug or whatever it may be, you know. So yeah, yeah but uh, it's hard for your brain to comprehend you're in a completely different place. So sometimes I have like flashbacks years. No, that come in. Well, Steve, thanks a lot, man. That was that was an awesome chat. I uh, really appreciate it, and and hopefully, you know, hopefully things turn around, and and you know, we see you on the big stage soon, eh? Yeah, we're positive. So if anyone out there listening is in the flooring game, who can, can hook me up, guys, I'd love it. And besides that, if you want to go for a beer or have a chat, you know, it's always interesting to meet. Uh, I love to meet South Africans. I'm a South African. I love South Africa. Always well. And uh, I'm in America because I want to be with my family, but I'm learning to love America as well. And do you have a website or anything that people can check out? Yes, you can. It's my website is suntup, S-U-N-T-U-P-U-S-A.com. Well, there you go, guys. If uh, you know any, anybody's in the flooring game and chat to Steve, he's your man. Uh, check out his website. And uh, Steve, thanks a lot, man. That was great. That's cool, cool. If you can take a container, that's what I sell. That's my other downfall. I sell only in containers. You know, I don't sell off one job, one job. But 
Well, Warren, I appreciate the call. Nice chatting. And uh, it's time me and you had a beer and a prize. Yeah, anytime, Steve. Let's have a bra. Cool, let's have a Take it easy. Ciao, bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to hear a piece of home every week from all over the world. Until then, check it Tuesday.